You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Again, just want to welcome you to Life Tree Community Church. I'm Pastor Dan, if you don't know, and uh, honored to have you all here. Thank you for everybody who's watching online. Great to have you. Um, and uh, always, always good to be together. Um, so I got a question for you. I'm going to start with a question tonight, and it's a really, really deep, deep question. Um, and it's this. You ready for it? You ready? You might want to get your pencils out. Here we go. If you have anybody have a pencil? Anybody actually have a pencil? Danielle has a pencil. Congratulations. Welcome to the 1950s. All right, here we go. You should you should dap it on your tongue, right, just to make sure it works. So here you go. Are you successful? <laughs> just just think about it for a minute. Are you successful? <laughs> How, how, eh, what'd you say? At what? At what? At what depends, right? As the next question, it's okay. I mean, how do you know, right? How do you know that? Or, and, and if so, in what parts of your life would you say you're successful, right? We all know the parts of our life we say we're definitely not successful at. And there are probably certain people that like to point out all the parts of our life that we're not successful at. People we're related to like to point out the parts that we're not successful at, um, but where might others say you are successful, right? Those who know you, those or maybe just observers from those who are looking, what might those people say, oh, you're successful at what? In what are you successful? So, again, it really comes down to how you define success. I guess anybody know Dale Carnegie? You remember that name from the older generation might know that name. He said, success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. Success is getting what you want, right? That's success, and happiness is getting, is, is wanting what you get. Some of the most, people I think considered most successful in our world, think about the people that you would say are the most successful people in the world, or according to our world standards, that they would say they're the most successful people, right? Whether they be celebrities, superstars, movie stars, politicians, wealthy, whatever. Because some of those people seem to be the least happy, right? So again, what is success? What defines success? Is success simply being happy? Is that success? Is it getting what you want? Um, in, in, there's so many different arenas. Again, it depends on what. In sports, right, success seems to be winning, right, unless it's making a lot of money or if it's being loved by the fan base. Depends. I don't know. In, in business, cash is king. Right, and it's that's 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 success in business, is it? Right, or is it making a difference? Or is it treating your employees right? Or is it treating your customers right? Or or taking care of the shareholders? It gets complicated. I don't know. I mean, in relationships, what is success? Is it just simply staying together? <laughs> success. I don't hate you. Success. <laughs> right? Is that is that is it longevity? Is it passion? Is it making each other better? You know, is it loving well? Is it being loved back? You know, we've got all these different categories. In art, it seems to be, right, self-expression. Did you express yourself, right? And those who just go into art for the money, those are the sellouts. The purists are those who do it for the love of the art, right? 
So what is success? In education, learning is success. If, unless you don't like learning and you just want the degrees so that you can get something else. And so then is that success? Again, so complicated, right? So what does it mean to be successful in life? Not just in one of those categories, but to say, I am success. What does that mean? How do you know if you're any closer? You know, it's, it's uh, the famous saying, you know, it's you may get to the very top of the ladder only to realize it is against the wrong wall, <laughs> right? It's like success isn't, yeah, I, I, I got there, but that wasn't what I wanted or what I hoped for. Maybe so I achieved the goal, wasn't satisfying. So let's say, let's just say that hypothetically we have figured out what success is. Let's say we've put it, we've, we've figured that out. That would lead ultimately to a second question is, so then what's the key to success? How do you get it? How do you become successful? Some will say it's hard work, right? That's how you get, that's how you get successes. You just got to grind. You got to go out there and work, 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 right? Um, Oscar Wilde said that success is a science. If you have the conditions, you'll get the result. It's just a, uh, right, it's just a, an, just an equation. You just got to do the work. Just put the work in, automatic success. You know, as a great philosopher, Euripides said, much effort, much prosperity. Hard work leads to success. Some will say it's just opportunity. It's, just, it's not just so much you worked hard, but things came to you, and you seized those opportunities. It was uh, Thomas Edison who said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Right? So this, there's just something about opportunity. So that's what success is. It's seizing those moments. That, and that's what successful people do is they seize the moments. They recognize those opportunities. So it's not just hard work, but it's hard work plus they're seizing the moment. Some will say it's attitude. You have to have the attitude of success. Mark Twain, all you need in this life is ignorance and confidence. And then success is sure. That's it. <laughs> you just need to be dumb and sure of yourself. <laughs> That's it. And success is going to happen. Right? It's an attitude. I just, I just have to believe, to manifest it. Speak it into the world. You're going to be successful. Right? Some say it's just dumb luck. That's what success is, dumb luck. It says, formula for success, rise early, work hard, strike oil. <laughs> that's it, just dumb luck. Like if you work hard and long enough, maybe something will happen, and that's how success happens. There's no rhyme, there's no reason. It doesn't make sense. This person, that person, they don't deserve it, but they get it. It's just dumb luck. So if I could give you the key, the absolutely definitive, 100% guaranteed, foolproof key to success, let me ask you this question. If I could promise you success, what difference would it make in your life? Would, it, would you change what you do if you knew? This summer we're exploring Psalms. They're these heartfelt expressions of our ancestors. And each one tells a story. King David wrote many of them, and we've been looking at him the last few weeks. He's arguably one of the most successful military commanders in human history, arguably one of the greatest uh, warriors. He vanquished most of his known world. <laughs> like he, he, it was somebody who once said, you know, you got to forgive your enemies. He says, forgive my enemies, I've killed them all. <laughs> I don't have any enemies to forgive. Um, David was one of those guys. He was one of the most successful kings in terms of military conquests, one of history's most influential and successful poets and songwriters. 
right? We sing still. I mean, thousands of years later, we're still, we're still singing his songs. Like, we sing the songs of King David. So, I mean, a, a warrior, successful warrior, a successful artist and, and songwriter, poet, a political mastermind, right? He unified splintered nation. Two different, I mean, this, these people started as one splintered, and he brought them back together. So politically successful. I mean, he probably would have made some really amazing TikToks if he was around right now. We'd be like, everybody follow him. Right? He'd be a good follow on Twitter. Um, he certainly had his flaws, but it seems that much of what David touched, we would say, was successful. He was a successful person. And so much so that the Son of God, Jesus, comes from the lineage of David. Like, that God says, hey, i got to send my son to, let's choose a good family. <laughs> I'm going to pick David's line. Like, this is a pretty successful guy. Can we agree that this David was, like, as far as worldly success in the, like, David seems like he had a pretty successful life. And the psalm we're going to read was written by David immediately following the moment he arguably experienced his greatest success. The psalm we're about to read was the moment that David had his greatest success. And what he writes, I think, is so revealing for us today as we think about and ponder and, and live in the reality of are we successful and what is success and our world is chasing it and what are we... Because so much of our life is directed towards what we think will be successful. We're not... I mean, I don't know if any of us are purposefully trying to sabotage our lives. There's like a psychological term for that, right? Like, but... I think it's masochism, right? Like this idea of like I'm trying to make myself, you know, painful. Like, so if we're trying to shoot for success, what David writes helps us both identify what success looks like and how we get it. What success is and the key to it. So we're going to read Psalm 18. We, we read par a portion of this last week. Now we're going to read a second portion of this. Um, so it starts like this. It says, again, there's a story, a little narrative that sort of frames out what this psalm is about. That kind of gives us the context that David is writing. And it says this, for the choir director, a psalm of David, right, the servant of the Lord, he sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. That's the, t the context, right? On the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. And this is what we read. Pick it up in verse 32, and it says this. God arms me with strength, and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. Again, you get poetry. This is good. It's good. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. He says this, you have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us understand how this poetry written thousands of years ago has any bearing on our life right here, right now, 2022, Robbinsville, New Jersey. Help us to understand that, Lord. Would you speak and illuminate our minds? Give us ears to hear you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So a few things I'd like to highlight as we look at what David wrote here. First, when he wrote it, he wrote this on the day the Lord rescued him. didn't say like around the time or sometime after. It says he wrote it on the day 
in the moments, this was like D-Day, right? The war is over. The day that his enemies are finally defeated, David is declared winner, he's declared king. It's a pretty big day. Like, it's David's big day, and he thinks, I probably need to write something down. (laughs) On the day, he had been anointed king by a prophet Samuel some 15 to 20 years prior to this day. He was a shepherd boy, youngest of all these brothers, sort of out in the fields. God anoints him king, right? And it takes him a long time. Saul is the king at the time. David doesn't try and take the kingdom. He's just anointed king. He will be the heir apparent to Saul. Saul doesn't know this, but he's threatened by everything. We've kind of talked about that last week. Saul just attacks David. He gets just sketchy and really, like, skeptical of everything, and he just starts trying to kill David. David refuses to, to take the throne from him. He's been on the, on the run as an outlaw pretty much since his teens, sorry, his late teens. He's been on the run in caves in the wilderness, away from his family. It's been a long journey. David has, I mean... He's supposed to be the king, and he's living, like, literally in caves. And they weren't, like, luxury caves. It wasn't an Airbnb getaway, right, the, wherever Danielle is, right? It wasn't, like, this nice secluded little, you know, rent-a-cave, right? It's got all the amenities in there. No, these are literally caves, like, just holes, animals in there, constantly on the move, driven from his friends and family. This is an awful period in his life. So this has been going on. He is now in his 30s. Sometime, I mean, this has been years and years, over a decade he's been living this way. And on this day, the running is done. It's over. On this day, David is now king. I mean, this is a big day, right? So I think we could all agree that this was a day we would call a day of success, right? A moment of success the day you win the kingdom is a pretty successful day, right? The day all your enemies are defeated is a pretty successful day. So here's the question I have. Who does David credit for his success? Let's go look. He says this. God, you did this. He says, you strengthened my arms. You made my way straight. You placed my feet Right on the path. You elevated me on the mountain. You trained my arms. You taught me. You shielded me. You supported me. You helped me. You went before me, God. You did this. On the day, David says, God, you did it. You did it. It's very clear. David takes no credit whatsoever. He doesn't step back and go, oh, I did it. He doesn't say, I did it. I did it. I made it. I accomplished it. I, I, I deserve this. Finally, Yes, I get what's coming to me. He says, God, you, you did it. But we have to notice that though success originated with God, it was realized through David. Because listen to what it also says. He says, you strengthened my arms. God, you made my way straight. You placed my feet on the path. God, you elevated me on the mountain. You trained my hands for battle. You taught me to shoot the arrow. You picking up the the trend here? You shielded me. You supported me. You helped me. You went before me. God affected success through David. God did it, but he did it in David. Right? You did it in me. You did it, but you did it in me. This wasn't about David's work ethic. It wasn't about opportunity or attitude or dumb luck or any of that other stuff that we talked about. 
Now listen, some of those things matter. We're not saying those things don't matter. But that's not what David is giving credit to. On the day he realizes success, David is quick to point out, God, you did this in me. Now, as we've said the past few weeks, we can't just hear these psalms by themselves. We've got to bring in other parts of Scripture to help us really understand what is David getting at here. What is this teaching us? Because the psalms by itself are incomplete. They're just expressions, emotions written in his journal. So what do we do with that? So we can look. And in 2 Samuel, we can actually read the account of that day. Of the day from a historical perspective, not just David's personal journal, but a historical perspective of the day David was proclaimed king. And it provides us a final piece of the puzzle of success and helps us identify what true success looks like. So here we go. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. We read this. It says, then all the tribes. No, we don't have it up there. Then all the tribes. Here we go. Here we go. All the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, we are your own flesh and blood. Verse 2. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. You like that? We were really following you. Yeah, sure you were. All right, here we go. <laughs> and the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. You will be Israel's leader. Verse 3. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. We skip down to verse 12, and we read this. It says, and David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. God gave David success as king for his own good, for the sake of the people, for the sake of the kingdom. Listen, David had endured a lot. He had worked hard. He had suffered, he had been patient, he had been obedient, he had been sacrificial, right? He had been gracious, he had been faithful at this point in his life. He had still been faithful in all sorts of stuff. He had, he had made the most of his opportunities. He had not been lazy. He was, David was probably one of the most pure-hearted people at this point in his life. He had done all the work. He wasn't lazy in any way. And this is critical. Successfully becoming king was not a reward for David. Even though David had done all those good things, God didn't say, David, I did this for you. In that moment on that day, David says, God, you did this in me, but you didn't do this for me. You did this for the sake of your kingdom. It was not God's way of giving David a grand attaboy. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure this was rewarding. I'm sure it was a blessing. There's no question. I'm sure there was relief beyond measure in David. But David knew this wasn't for him. God had strengthened David's arms and directed his feet and trained his mind so that the people could have a good king. That's why God did this. Saul was lousy and God was fixing it. His heart had gone, and God said, hey, my people need someone to lead them well. David, I will bless you and make you king so that you can lead my people. Success comes from God and his purpose and handing it out is to be a blessing to others. Again, other scriptures affirm this. Affirmed by Abraham when God called him in Genesis chapter 1. This big idea of why, why God blesses and why God grants success. Right? It's the, the, the covenant that God makes. Right back in the beginning, Abraham says, listen, I will make you into a great nation, Abraham. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Abraham, I'm not doing this for you. 
I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others. Right? The principle has always been there that when God blesses, it's not for you. It's for others. The whole point of a blessing is to be a blessing. And it's affirmed again in Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 7, we read this. Without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. That sharing a blessing, that using that success, that leveraging that success for others is greater than experiencing the success. It's not just for me, but it's the, it's the outcome of that success. It's not just that I'm successful, but it's what I do with it. So here we go. Here's the big question. So what? <laughs> so what? Great for David. That was a cool story. So what? God grants you success in your life for the good of everyone. Any success you achieve is God's doing, and it's for God's purposes. It is not a reward for you and your hard work. Your hard work counts. It matters. All that stuff matters, but God does not reward you for you. He lifts you up so that you can do good to others. So many ask, so we can ask another question here. Let me ask you this one. If that's the case, what are you doing with your success? What are you doing with your success? And you may sit there and go, okay, well, as soon as I hear that, I go, well, I'm not that successful. I mean, let's, let's just temper this here. I'm not that successful. I don't think I have that much to brag about, right? I'm not on the cover of any magazine. I mean, some of you may have been. Anybody ever been on the cover of a magazine? You're on the cover of magazines? Come on. I know, yeah, Jack, come on. I know some of you have been on covers. Um, but if every blessing and every success given by God is meant to be shared, we have to give account for that. Success is not simply receiving blessings because Saul got that. <laughs> Saul was blessed, but he kept it for himself. So many times, and there's other stories in Scripture we can talk about where people were blessed and they thought it was for them. It did not end well <laughs> at all. We'll probably talk about that in the fall. Um, Success is not simply receiving blessings or receiving rewards. Success is what you do with your successes. You want the measure of success? It's what you do with your successes, what you do with your blessings. So let's make this practical. Let's make this really practical. Where has God positioned you? David was positioned as king. God set him up as king, and that was a position of success that God gave him so that he could be a blessing. So where has God positioned you? I'm no king. No, me neither. But you are in places of influence and places of power and places of privilege. You're in a family. You're in a family. That's, a, that's success. If you're in a family, that's success. <laughs> that's a blessing. What are you doing with that success? What are you doing with that? Are you leveraging your place? You're in, you're in perhaps a work environment. You have a job? You got hired. Or you start your own business. Congratulations, that's success. What are you doing with that? You have friends? Anybody got a friend? You have one? You have a friend? If you have a friend, success. You are a success if you have a friend. There are some people in this world that cannot make friends. You have a friend, success. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? Are you part of a community? 
What are you doing with that? And then where has God not just positioned you, but what has God empowered you to do? God, you strengthened my arms. You guided my steps. You trained my mind. What abilities and skills has God given to you? And in what ways could you leverage what you're good at, not only to make a living, but to be a blessing? God doesn't just give us skills and abilities so that we can make money with it or provide for our family. That's part of it, but that's not the only thing. Are you good with money? Help someone who isn't. <laughs> are you a good cook? Right? Give meals. What are you good at? What can you use? What, do, what are your abilities? What can you use to leverage for others? God gave, gave David this military power, not just for David, but to lead the people. What experience do you have? You want success stories? Some of you have experienced successes in your past. Maybe not presently, but in your past. You sharing that with people? You sharing your wisdom, sharing your understanding? If you run into a wall and break your nose, you can share it with somebody else so they don't have to do that, right? That's a gift. You can pass it on. In our world, so easy, our world is so cutthroat that we often try to hoard experience because we feel like if we share experience, well, then they'll take our job or they'll take our spot or they'll use what we've learned and we'll lose because of it. Tell you, if God gave you success in something, he gave you wisdom, you share it and you share it freely because the God who gave it to you can give you more of it. He can keep you where you need to be. If somebody else takes your spot, he'll move you somewhere else. You give away what God has given to you. He will give you more. You cannot lose. You cannot lose. If you have a home, let me ask you, do you have a home? That's success. A place to live, success may not be yours. The bank may own it. Somebody else, you may rent it, lease it, whatever. You have it for a minute, doesn't matter. If you have it, it's a blessing. It's success. Let me ask you, who do you bless with it? Who do you welcome into it? Who do you treat with kindness there? You think of home being a successful gift that you can leverage? If you're blessed with health, how do you serve others with it? If you're at the store and somebody's struggling you know, to, to read something and you are blessed with height, not all of us are, but if you were blessed with height, reach and help them get it down. And us short people will help you when you, your back hurts and you can't bend over because it's right there in front of us. Like, we'll help you all the way, right? If you hear someone needs help but struggle with their health, help out. Could be mowing a lawn, could be raking the leaves, it could be... Yeah, anything. We spend, listen, we spend $265 billion a year in the United States of America on fitness every year. But there are people that could simply use a hand as our neighbors. We've got all of these really fit people that are blessed with health, and they're just leveraging it for themselves to make themselves look better and feel better, but they're not giving away their gifts. Do you have a vehicle? Have you successfully passed your driver's test? It's coming from my son. He's got his driver's test this week, so we'll see. But if you have successfully passed your driver's test, let me tell you, in this economy, you want to be a blessing? Offer to drive. Use your gas. <laughs> Chauffeur the, the, the bus around, right? Just pick up people, drive the kids to camp, you know, enjoy it, whatever. It's a blessing. Just think, we have to think differently about all the things that we have. All the things, that they're all successes, they're all blessings, and they're not just for us. Do you have luxuries? Do you have abundance? Share the vacation home. and peop Invite people to use the pool. Host the youth group at your house. Rather than make a buck on Facebook Marketplace, if you've got some furniture, give it away to somebody. Donate it. Are you blessed with family? 
invite people to the holidays with you. You're not blessed with a family by accident. So what can your family do to be a blessing to others? And I want to talk to the kids for a minute. All the kids in the room, anybody, and I would say kid, anybody under 18, right? Or 18 and under if you're 18. If you're still, you know, high school there, you're not off the hook. You're in a family, that's success. God has blessed you with it. What are you doing to serve your family? Are you just a taker or are you contributing? And then all the parents are like, get them, Pastor Dan, get them. And I'm telling you, you have a responsibility to serve the gift of youth, the gift of strength and energy and vitality, the gift of joy that God has given you. Serve your family with it. If you're watching this online, parents, you can pause right here, come back, get your kids. Tell them to watch this part only, right? Serve your parents, serve your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your uncles, aunts, siblings, grandparents. Success is being a blessing. Proverbs 23, 24, the father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. I tell you, mothers too, everybody, everybody's happy when their kids are a blessing. It's a responsibility. You have been placed there and elevated so that you can be a blessing. God is the source of every success we receive, and we can share it with as many people as we can. So here's the thing, right? God, you did this in me so that for the sake of the people around me. And here's the part that may really help us with all this. All right, and I'll invite Jen to come on back up, and we're going to close in just a moment here. But I just want you to think about this. If we will leverage our success for others, God can keep it coming. God can absolutely keep it coming. It's not like, uh, you had one shot, I gave it to you, you gave it away. That was really kind of you, but no more. It's not how it works. See, the more you share your blessings, the more you, you lead, the more you give because you've been given, the more God blesses you because he knows he can trust you. Because he knows he can entrust success to you because you will not claim it for yourself. Most of the problem we have with people who are successful in our world is that they seem to keep it for themselves. They serve themselves with it. They got all that money and they're, they're hoarding it. They got all that power and they're hoarding it. They're serving self. God says, I want to give it to you for the sake of, of the people around you. And we got to think of it more than just money or power. There are so many different ways that God has given us success that we can leverage for others. Because when we do that, we get to be a blessing. We get to leave a legacy. It wasn't just David who did this, but you can begin to follow the lineage. Where David, generation after generation, they became a blessing. His son, King Solomon, after him, became a blessing because they learned that it wasn't just for themselves. And here's the cool thing. We get to be fulfilled when we do that. That's why we're given the gift in the first place. And you know, when you do, when you leverage your, your blessings for others, it feels right. You go, ah, oh, this, this is what I was given it for. There's something deeply satisfying inside. You're like, all right, that's actually what this is for. It's not just to, to, to serve myself. It's to serve others. Let me, let me just caution you, please. As a pastor, just for a moment, Guard yourself from repeating the same mistakes of others. Like Saul, 
accepting the blessings of God, the successes of God, the gifts of God, and saying it's for me. Guard yourself from it because in the moment it feels good and it feels like it's all for me and I get to enjoy this and it's, oh man, it's my time has come. I finally get my due. God, finally I got a break. Finally I got what's coming to me. Guard yourself from thinking it's all about you because you will disqualify yourself from the more God wants to give you. Happened to Saul and it won't be any different for us. It's that deception, right? It'll be different for me. Same story, told over and over again. Always ends that way. But if like David, we say, God, you did this in me so that, then we will live a success-filled life, one that will never be disappointing, one that will never seem like it's not enough, one that we go, man, God is so good. I couldn't have made this up. God couldn't have blessed me more. We'll come to the end of our days and we'll look back and go, man, that life, that was worth every step. That was worth it all the way to the end. I just want to encourage you. God God has blessed you and you go, oh, he hasn't blessed me as much as others. Don't compare. Don't compare. Comparisons of the enemy, it's no good. Run your own race. Keep your eyes in front of you. But look inside. What has God given to you? Success is using that for his purposes, which is to be a blessing to everyone around you. We've all got successes, so let's use them. I'm going to close in prayer, and then I'm going to invite the band to come on back up, and we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing that song again that we sang in the beginning, Christ Be Magnified. And I love that idea of God being made grander in our life. Because that's the thing, when you have success and you use it for others, they don't look at you. They go, that's not normal. We leverage it, and they say, there must be something more, and that's when God shines through. That's what it means for God to be magnified in me, through me. We had a great opportunity this morning uh, to pack some meals with uh, brothers and sisters in our community for people in need, for brothers and sisters in need. So those who are able showed up, packed bags full of hygiene items and granola bars and Pop-Tarts, which I was tempted to eat, um, like, like chocolate Pop-Tarts. And then they made meals. Some, some people cooked meals. Listen, you didn't want me cooking. But I had an important job. I was the mushroom cutter. It was me today, so I, I, I don't know, I cut, I don't know, probably about, for about 45 minutes, I cut mushrooms. I don't even eat mushrooms, but I cut mushrooms for about 45, because guess what, I can do that. God gave me hands that work, and so I could cut mushrooms. And we went out, and we distributed them. Some put them in their cars and said, who's got cars that we can put this stuff in? And there was probably like 10 different cars that were getting bags and boxes and T-shirts, and, and then we drove out to all different parts of Trenton. We just handed it out. Who needs something? Because we're here to say we're going to help. God's blessed us, so we want to be a blessing. I'm telling you this. Christ was magnified. God was magnified. You know what's so funny? As we're handing stuff out, I can't tell you how many times people said to me, God bless you. God bless you. 
God bless you for what you do. And I'm just sitting there going, man, I thought I was supposed to be the one doing the blessing today, and you're blessing me because that's how it works, right? That's how it works. God, you didn't bless me just for me. Didn't give me a car just for me. You didn't give me hands that work just for me. You didn't just give me resources just for me. You gave it to be a blessing. And that's just not something we do once a month. That's how we live. Something we need to do every single day, no matter where we go. Maybe you're, tonight you'll have opportunities to be a blessing. But that's what we are. We are to be a life tree, a tree of life constantly. Trees don't exist for their own benefits. They take in carbon dioxide. They give out oxygen. They are life-giving. They benefit an environment. That's what we are as a church. We're meant to be life-giving. Psalm 18, David says, God, you did this, but you did it in me so that I can be a blessing. That's what we're here to do. So I want to encourage you to stand up. We're going to sing and let this be, let's just be our commitment to say, I'm in. I'm going to do this. God, be magnified in me. Wherever I go this week, God, be magnified.